loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket counts. He gets it over to the doctor. Tie ball game. Here's a shot, Julius. He, he scores! He scores! Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes down, and the game is tied. Here is Durant moving on Tucker. He turns. He shoots. Yes! Talking Knicks, Nets, and all things across the association, this is Pick and Pod on WFUV Sports. Hello and welcome back to a special 2021 NBA Draft edition of Pick and Pod, WFUV Sports NBA podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Bright, alongside a familiar face in Thomas Aiello and someone who is familiar to WFUV Sports and hopefully going to be a lot more frequent on this show, and that's Chris Persianen. Welcome to the show, guys. A lot to cover. We're done. We know that the Bucks were the champions. And now comes the most fun part of talking basketball, especially for you, Thomas. I know you've been waiting for this for a long time. All the off-season rumors, the speculations, the stories, the predictions, all of the fun stuff that comes with covering basketball it's all coming down to this week. The draft is on Thursday. As of right now, it's, it's one of the more talented classes we've seen in the past few years. Very top heavy, but still a lot to get into. I don't want to waste any more time because we got a lot of basketball to discuss. Thomas Aiello, I'm, I'm going to start with you. Right now, as it stands, Detroit Pistons have the first pick. Is it a no-brainer to go with Cade Cunningham on that? I mean, it, it better be. If they don't take him, I think that Troy Weaver should be fired. But in all honesty, yeah, it should be a no-brainer because I think he's the best player in this draft, and there's no debating that at all with anybody unless you want to tell me that Evan Mobley and Jalen Green are that much better. I mean, I I can maybe argue with Mobley. I'm probably not going to do it with Green. But if the, if the Pistons don't take Cade Cunningham and they've been contemplating, like, who they should take, and I know that Troy Weaver had a great quote today. On, it was on Twitter. I forget who, who uh, tweeted it out, but he said, we won 20 games. Everyone fits. Yeah, like, they better. So this little smoke screen of, oh, they might uh, not take Cade and take Evan Mobley or, oh, the Thunder made a real trade offer for the number one pick. I, I think it's a waste of time. They, they're just, just messing with everyone's brain. They're going to take Cade and as much you can say about the Pistons for incompetence in the front office, uh, keeping Dwayne Casey around for too many, too long, too many years, in my opinion, and just not making good trades at all. I mean, they couldn't even trade Blake for anything. They traded Derek Rose for Dennis Smith, who is bad. And the only real thing that they have is Jeremy Grant. That's actually kind of good. I mean, Killian Hayes was horrible this past season in the, in their relax. Uh, he, he, got wasn't, hurt. Okay, he wasn't that good. He got hurt. Cool right, it, Killian Slander. Okay, fine. As Chris Percy and fellow Nick enthusiast corrects me, but I'll, I'll I won't one. have I won't have this slander of my nineteen-year-old son. Give him time. Nineteen-year-old <laughs> son. What? <laughs> Can we talk about that? Yeah, Emmanuel quickly is my son. RJ Barrett's my son. Obi Toppin definitely my son. Um, like guys like Shea Gilgis Alexander, Devin Booker, also my children. That's just like how I see it. Like the guys who I have like the biggest agenda for, like I protect them. Like they're my children. You know what I mean? All like, right. That's okay. Then I guess agenda wise. All right, fine. We, 
Chris does have a list of people that he likes, so we are going to get Chris Duarte is going to be on there. Dominican, are you kidding me? Yeah. He's still oh, like no, I know he is, but in all going back to Detroit, if they don't take Cade or they trade out of the pick to do something weird, this is going to be a fail for, of a draft for them, and I see no reason why they should do any of the things that we just listed. Take Cade or delete your franchise. I don't know. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Thomas. I mean, I see Cade Cunningham as someone who kind of replicates Ben Simmons, except with a jump shot, which which means he has to me a huge potential to be to really serve as like a veteran point point guard for this team. You know, great pick and roll shot creator. I just think he's the best player in this draft. And I'm going to go to the father of basketball for this next one, Chris, who has apparently a lot of children who made it to the league, which is very impressive and a <laughs> personal goal of mine. But I think beyond the Pistons in that first pick, I think one of the most interesting uh, stories that we've seen surrounding this upcoming draft is Houston and what they're going to do. Yes. You know, we've heard some rumors about them trying to trade up to get to that top pick. I don't think that's necessarily going to happen. I think Jalen Green would be a pretty nice consolation prize in that situation, but I would love to hear your thoughts on what that best option is for the Houston Rockets. Yeah, so I'll start off by going uh, back to Detroit just to say who I think won't be an option for Houston, and that's going to be Cade Cunningham. I'm totally with you guys. I think this is Detroit trying to keep things interesting before the draft. Everything is pointing towards Cade being the pick. Everything your eyes tell you when you watch games should point towards Cade being the pick. You know, I, I just, th there hasn't been a clear cut number one like this, even, even like last year that, you know, I thought LaMelo Ball was the clear cut number one prospect and Anthony Edwards went number one overall. Like it wasn't a, con there wasn't a consensus. There wasn't, there were a lot of Ball fans and a lot of Edwards fans and, this year, I think Cunningham's absolutely the guy. So I think it is going to be between Mobley, Green, and I'll throw Suggs's name in there as a surprise candidate. Writers like Sam Viceni uh, from The Athletic have, have mocked Suggs to the Rockets there at two. But, uh, man, my personal pick would be Evan Mobley for Houston, despite the presence of Christian Wood. Uh, I think Mobley is the talent you can't pass up on there. If it were any other draft class, any, any other draft class last year, Mobley would have gone number one. Green would have gone number one last year too, you know, and um, you can debate him and Edwards. And I, I really think Green would have gone number one, but, but Mobley is, is a really, it's tough. I, I want to say generational, but that's a big, that's a big word to put out there. That's a, that's a, has a lot of heft behind it. You know, it's a big statement to make. I really think, though, at seven feet tall, being able to do what he can do, that Mobley would be the pick there. Um, but it's looking like Houston in in real life and not in my fantasy world, in my mind, where Kevin Porter Jr., Christian Wood, and Evan Mobley are wreaking havoc on defenses um, and then also getting destroyed on it. That's beyond the point. Jalen Green is looking like who Houston wants to pair on the wing with Kevin Porter Jr. And I have to say that, if I said I wasn't tantalized completely by that, you know, the, the prospects of that duo, I'd be lying. I think green is going to be a really, really great player. Um, this draft class, as you were saying earlier, though, is just so deep. And I think have the fact that there are two players in this class that you would, that I would take over Jalen green is uh, not 
a fair representation of how good green is, you know, like he's not just the third best guy. He's really, really special. And I don't think Houston can go wrong between him or Mobley here um, because whoever they pick, you know, they'll, they'll tailor their plans as such. And green would be a great selection with the scoring he's going to bring. My pick would be Mobley though. Yeah. I, I think that's a really good point to the fact that Mobley green and Cunningham are all number one picks any other year. And, it makes it it makes it very difficult, it makes it very exciting and confusing. And I think I do like that pick as Mo, at Mobile Room too. I think Jalen Green's to me is more realistic at two, especially I, I his camp is only allowing him to work out with the Rockets and Pistons, which makes me believe he's either been in conversations with them or he's just that confident that he's going to be one or two and he's probably not going to be number one. So to me, the next question there is uh, there's a team that every year seems to have their president do whatever that he can to get whoever he wants. And that's the Oklahoma Thunder and that's Sam Presti. And if you look at this team right now, they have the potential to be able to move up to a number three, maybe not a, maybe a number two, but at least to a top three pick. And, and I think there somebody could go in there and somebody like Mobley could really help them. I mean, if he's there, Cleveland's going to take him at three and to play him with Jared Allen on that Island Thunder team could be lethal. So Thomas Ayala, do you see the Thunder using those picks? I think they have a sixth, 16th, and 18th pick. Do you see them using that and going in and making a move to move up in this draft? I want to say that they do. We know that Sam Presti has a very strange fetish with first-round picks. It's almost to the point where we might have to call it a doctor at some point because it is a little scary how many trades he made for first-round picks. And the fact that he swapped Kelly Oubre for a first round pick. And then he swapped Rubio for, for Poku who, who can be a real great player. trades. Yeah. Great trade. By the way. Yeah. He could be a real player. I think that what they've been doing the whole time though, is trying to get another SGA. That's been the whole, whole plan this whole time. I know that Knicks fans, Chris and I have talked about, they should, the Knicks should trade for Shea. There's no point in that because Oklahoma city, like I just said, their entire plan is for another SGA. Hey, the report came out today that it would take a whole lot, but that he is someone you could wiggle loose from them. The report came out yesterday that they tried using him to get up to one to get Mr. Cunningham. So I, 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 think, that's, I think that would be insane because you have the chance to pair up Shea with a, another dynamite backcourt player. You're if already- I'm Detroit, I decline that offer. Shea and six for one, I'd decline it. No joke. Yeah, I just no, take I it. Do it either. I wouldn't do it either, but I think losing out on the chance to create a, a like I said a dynamite backcourt you have Poku who's good uh Lou Dort is a defensive jug and then whoever you want to plug in at the five let's say for this exercise they sign Laurie Markkinen I, I'd say that's a pretty okay jump to make with that roster in the NBA going from dead last in offensive efficiency or whatever they were to bottom five in defensive efficiency and you can maybe jump up in the middle of the pack at, at, at worst. So I think that Oklahoma City, while Kelly, you do raise a good point that they could trade up. I don't see a reason for them to give away anything that they've culminated in the last off season or whatever it was for all the picks to just not right. Shay with another Shay pretty much. I can give both sides quickly, which is, you know, one side of it is they have, like Kelly was saying, six, 16 and 18. They have no seeming timeline, no pressure to be good soon. 
Um, if I were a GM and in this draft class, I had six, 16 and 18 and no pressure to take win now guys, I wouldn't have to force myself to take a Duarte or Davion Mitchell uh, over, you know, a prospect like Sharif Cooper, who I think I was way better than both, but needs a little time to, to really come along in the league. I'd be ecstatic. And if I'm Presty, I'd just be sitting back, making all those picks, taking all my bites at the apple, having a great time. But when you have as many assets as Presty does, and you have as many of the same type of asset, you have so many first round picks. There is a need to consolidate because as Kelly might know, when you have a lot of assets and you kind of sit on your hands for a little bit, things can get a little iffy as, as Mr. Almost Ainge would know. Uh, that's, that's my, that's my take on, on OKC's situation. If I'm them, I stay pat at six, 16 and 18 though. I try to take advantage of my lack of timeline, grab players who I can develop into being really, really worthwhile assets and maybe eventually flip them to try to get Shea, his second guy. Listen, Chris, the Celtics comment a little too close to home. We're going to get <laughs> it later, but I do want to talk about another team that is kind of in that win now uh, kind of window where they really need to do something in this draft and really need to get something to move the needle, and that's the Warriors. Now, the Warriors' offense has the potential to be absolutely lethal. I mean, you're going to get a fully healthy Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, and then – if you look at who's available in, in this draft, we just talked about the best three players available, but I, I you guys mentioned some other players, you know, you have Jalen Suggs, you have Scotty Barnes, you have these other guys who, who are great talents and are going to provide instant, an instant impact to whatever team they end up on. So I'm interested to hear what you guys think uh, with what the, how the Warriors should handle this draft. They have a number seven pick. They have a number 14 pick. They have James Wiseman. They have assets they could also use. And they're a team that also could definitely use some veteran help. And I'll be interested to see if they trade out, trade down, give away some of those picks and go after someone like a Bradley Beal, maybe. I don't want to throw too many big names out there right now, but I really, I, I would really like to know, Thomas, we'll start with you. What do you think the best move for the Warriors is going into this? I do like the concept of them trading away their picks for someone who helps them right now. I don't think Wiggins is going to be uh, what they want him to be. I, I think the fear I have with him and what freaks me out is his, I don't know, is this, it's not an innate ability, but if you really want to think about it this way, if you really put him into a situation where he has to perform or, oh, we want you to take a step up, try to make the all-star team. I, I feel like some of those things, those problems he had in Minnesota do come back and the Warriors kind of, did fix Wiggins in a way. He's definitely a much better player than he was in uh, the land of 10,000 lakes. But I don't think they're going to hold on to these picks long. I don't think Wiseman's going to be – I mean, they could hold on to him. I, he didn't really play too much, so we can't really crap on him too much. But I think they're going to hold on to Wiseman. I think Wiggins and the picks go for – I don't know. And again, you brought up Beal. While his name is just in every trade rumor that exists to humanity, I don't think he's the guy. I want them to attempt to make a move at um, Jimmy Butler. That would be my pick for them because he does bring them defense and he, he is going to be maybe in a rental if he doesn't stay after this year, who knows what he's going to do. And that could definitely help golden States whole thing of, Oh, like clay just blew up his knee pretty much. Oh, we got that covered. We have Jimmy Butler and Draymond green is still here and they still have Steph who can launch bombs from half court. 
And then James Wiseman, I think, is the one asset that stays. Uh, I expect Ubre to leave, which I, well, I think everyone expects Ubre to leave. But that's what I kind of think they're going to do. I don't know what they're going to do because Bob Myers always has something something weird cooking up in his binder of a thousand moves. Golden Golden State is happy letting Ubre walk from everything I've heard. So yeah. I, I I wouldn't mark that as a, a reunion fit. I agree. Um, I, I like what you're on with what you're saying, man, in, in regards to not trusting Wiggins like that. I think looking to use these picks to acquire some sort of win now talent would be smart. I just don't know if the deal's out there for them. You know, I, th- I think that Warriors fans might disagree, but I, I do think that when you have Stephen Curry on your roster, he's as old as he is right now. Like you, you just got to go after this window. You got to keep this window open. Steph is the, in my, in my freshman year dorm, my window and Job's broke about halfway through the year. And we had um, this, this tin of caramels that we'd put in the window to keep it, you know, from, from just shutting and air circulating and all that. Steph, Steph is that tin of, of caramels for the Golden State Warriors. If he's on your roster, your championship window is going to be open. There, there is a shot. You have, you have an open, even if it's tiny, you, you have a guaranteed amount of space to try to get through and, and win a championship. I think it would be fitting to go ahead and, and just honor how good he is and how good he's been for that franchise, try to give him the best shot possible at it, you know, instead of saying to him, you know, we're trying to develop, we're trying to build towards the future. This was an issue brought up, you know, in the last dance, if you guys saw it in regards to um, the, the, the bulls, you know, having Jordan Pippen trying to move forward. I think a move like taking um, seven, 14, and Wiggins and trying to get yourself like a Pascal Siakam could go really well for them because that's, that's a guy. It's a guy who Steph can elevate, who, you know, played really well off of a superstar in Kawhi and has looked a little funny without him, but that wouldn't be an issue if he were packed with another superstar, you know? Um, I, I think looking for some win now help would be fitting for them. And I think they're a really interesting team to bring up Kelly in it because they, there are just so many ways they could go. However, from from what it's looking like and and what the chatter around, you know, NBA circles is is kind of like the echoes that are are coming out about what Golden State might be doing is that they might not find the deal they like. Thomas was saying, you know, Bob Myers a little little weird with dealing and all that. They might just stand pat at those two picks. If they do, got to give a shout to my guy, Chris Duarte, there at the 14th pick. I think there's no way he makes it past 14. Uh, if Golden State is keeping that pick and going to give a shout to Thomas's direction here, because I know he is with me in loving Brooklyn Knight, James Book Knight. Yes, I think would be a great selection for them at seven. If he, you know, if Barnes is taken by the magic at five, which is what I think will happen. The Thunder don't take Book Knight and go with the project of Jonathan Kuminga. Um, you know, they don't have that timeline that I was, t- you know, that I was talking about. They don't have that pressure. Um, Kuminga is more of a project than I think people are making him out to be. I think there's not as many skills coming into the league to bank on as you might see in a guy like Moses Moody, who would be another good target for Golden State, someone who can come in and contribute now as well as get better going forward. Um, 
but I, I just can't stop thinking about if book night falls to seven and Duarte, you know, is, is going to be there at 14 using your two picks there. And you have Steph, you have clay returning from injury. You're going to have Draymond get two guys, you know, can contribute on offense, you know, will be able to hold their own on defense. And you could even, you could start Duarte, you know, next to Stephen clay. If you wanted, if you trade Wiggins away, um, but if you keep Wiggins, if there's no deal you like bringing in these two rookies, well, it'll be at a relatively low cost. Duarte over his four years at the 14th pick will make about what you'd go and pay Reggie Bullock on the free agent market for one year of services right now. So, you know, I think that would be a great way for them to go just stay pat and add guys they think that can contribute from the jump. Well, Chris, first of all, I'm going to mark this day on my calendar as the first time I've ever heard Steph Curry described as a tin of caramels. That <laughs> Listen, <on> the <laughs> keeping the window open. Keeping the window open. And, and second of all, it's like you read my mind because I wanted to bring up James Booknight because I think he's someone who's gone largely overlooked in a lot of the mock drafts that I've seen as of late. I think, honestly, I would be surprised if he slips to seven. I think he, could, he has the potential to go five or six. I, I, th I think he is a strong scorer. One of the, he was the first freshman in nine years to score 20 points in three straight contests. And I think you're right. I think even if he doesn't start for Golden State, I think he would offer them a great option off the bench for someone to come in there and just create offense. So I, I think he's definitely a strong option. You mentioned Jonathan Kaminga. He's another one. He is also as a project, but I think his ceiling is as high as anybody out there. And if they can get him there and, and a team can take a chance at him, develop him, He's big, he's strong, he's a great athlete. And I think he could turn, maybe not in one year, but maybe in three to four years, he can turn into a real uh, a real strong uh, forward in this league. So Jersey boy, Aiello. Kuminga's a Jersey go. boy. There you go. And I, I was going to ask this question, but you guys almost already answered it. And I was going to ask, is there any, are there any other guys who you think could be dark horses in this draft who could get drafted in the top 10 who maybe haven't gotten as much attention for me, I think somebody to look at would be Josh Giddy, 6'8", 205 pounds. I think he could be a target for the Warriors as well. Playmaker. Warriors or Grizzlies. I think we'll look at him yeah. both in the top 10, at 7 and at 10. Definitely. You know, he's he's tall. He's got a great passing ability. I, you're right. I think Memphis has him at number 10 right now um, in a lot of mocks. So that's somebody for me. I would love to hear you guys if there's any person you're uh, especially looking out for. And then after that, I promise we're going to get into your Knicks. So, Thomas Alo, you can go first. I For prospects, I, I'm going to kind of jump outside of the top 10 because there's one person who I'm kind of parading around as if he's the second coming, uh, and that's Bones Highland from VCU. And now oh, I, do love go to, I, love Bo, I love Bones Highland. I think that kid's an absolute warrior, and despite him having the build of um, a stick man, he is a very skinny young man. But I don't think that matters given if you look at some of these people today that play in the NBA who are very successful. Quickly. Yeah, I, Emmanuel Quickly. We look at Steph. He's very skinny. Shea is very skinny. Uh, Siakam, is for his size, is pretty skinny. I think we can agree as well that um, Mitchell Robinson, for his position, Jared Allen, like they're all very skinny people. And I think Bones Highland is just an absolute warrior. And again, lanky but quick. Uh, patient yet adroit. I would also say he he knows what he does. He likes to read the game a lot. He doesn't play at a crazy run up and down like a chicken with your head cut off pace. It's a very, okay, what do I have come in pace? 
I think he would be a great value pick in that later third of the first round. I want the Knicks to take him so bad, not only because you get the other A-10 underdog who I think is going to have a chip on his shoulder coming from a tiny league, but it fills a need, especially for them, with the guard play, which has been horrifyingly bad because Alfred Payton was starting and he's a terrible basketball player. I don't know why Steve Mills thought he was a good idea. And we don't know what Luca Vildoza will bring to the Knicks. So I think Bones Highland, if you want a value guy later in the draft, that's, that's the man. And he, he's just, he's the pride of the A-10. I think that's the best way to put it. He's just the pride of the A-10. Bones, man. is Bones. Uh, let me, let me check my, hold on. You got to give me a second here. Yep. 20th. He's going to, I have a board. My second board is coming out like super soon, actually before the draft. And he's going to be 20th on that. Um, I think up there with Corey Kispert, you could say he's one of the best shooters in the draft along with, along with Kispert, my guy for a, for someone who might get, I don't see bones. I love, and I think he could end up being like a lottery level, like a top 14 player from this class. But to me, I just don't think a team, like you were saying, even though he has a six, nine wingspan, he's only six, three. So uh, I, I don't think a team might take a chance on him in the top 10 who I think will go top 10 who a lot of people haven't necessarily talked about as being top 10 is Franz Wagner from Michigan. Um, he I'll, I'll say it as quickly as possible because I do also, as Kelly was saying, we, we got to get into our, our local Knicks talk, but Franz is a prospect who gets talked about. Like he's like 22 or 23 and doesn't have much room to guard. Like he's 19 years old. I think he'll be able to guard threes and fours. He's about 6'10". Think the outside shot comes along. If he's good enough to command touches in the pick and roll and, and is able to show his playmaking ability, you're going to have a monster of a wing at, at 6'10", who can you know, pass, shoot, defend several positions, switchable in the playoffs. He can dribble. He can definitely you know, live action on the ball, make things happen. I, I just, I think there's a lot of potential there. I think a team like the Sacramento Kings who have guys like De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton in place um, playing good basketball, to be honest, could benefit from having someone like Franz who doesn't necessarily need the ball in his hands and will not be good enough at first to have the ball in his hands. Um, I, I think that's a good fit for him because that will give him some time to come along. You know, Halliburton kind of wanted to head to Sacramento because he could play between Fox and off of Fox and between Fox and healed um, Wagner getting to play off of Fox Halliburton and, you know, whether they move healed, whatever, but just De'Aaron and, and Tyrese Halliburton are a great guard duo. I think Wagner would be a great fit there in Sacramento. I believe they have the number nine pick in the draft and, you know, that's in the top 10. So we might see Wagner go that early. Yeah, I, I think uh, Wagner's a great, uh, great option. I think he's someone with high basketball IQ, and I think he could really help a team out. So I think you're spot on with that. But I'm not going to wait any longer to get into this Knicks because I think they, they've been a team we've talked about all year. Every time we bring them up, we say how much Alfred Creighton sucks. We say how good their season's been. We say how Tom Thibodeau should have been the coach of the year. And now we're going to next year. You know, last year's over. We're moving on. And they're armed with picks as well, 19th, 21st, 32nd. They certainly have the draft capital to make a move. Thomas L., I'll start with you. What should the Knicks do in this 2021 draft season? I honestly couldn't tell you as long as I've watched them and I know what they do. 
I couldn't tell you what they're going to do because again, Leon Rose is Bob Myers where he's just weird. We don't know what he's going to do with the transactions. He's got something cooking up his sleeve one day where there's a rumor. And then the next day it's, Oh my God, they're going to assemble a 20 team trade for Damian Lillard. It, it's hard to really tell what they're going to do. I personally, for me, what they should do is they should use at least the 19th pick and then attempt to trade for, I don't know, Colin Sexton is the guy that I've been seeing a lot. And I do agree with him being on the Knicks team because he fits a need at scoring and they need skill players at the guard position. And he obviously checks all the boxes and you are going to have to pay him. That is kind of the reality of that, but I don't think that it would matter considering the state of the team as it is. Now, again, you said they made the playoffs. Tom Thibodeau was the coach of the year, whatever you want to say. I just think that they need to get better and it's not because they need to improve their team. I just think that the East is going to catch up with them and they need to load in on talent that is available and Sexton would work. And I think we saw the package with Knox Toppin and what was it like the 21st pick? I think it was Chris. And then you get Colin Sexton, right? Is that, was that what I, it was, so if, if Sexton were going to be traded, that was around the package, but it's looking like Cleveland might have, you know, seen the, even just a fan, because teams are more plugged into like social media than we think. Yep. Cleveland might've seen the reaction of the fans of them, like letting Sexton go for that little, cause they don't want to pay him and seriously been like, Oh, we might want to, we might want to reassess this. And yeah. it looks like they might not be as pressed to just get anything for him anymore as they were. Yeah. I, I, I do think that they are in tune because there is the burner account conspiracy. We did have the Colangelo, whichever one did it a couple of years ago. Owner or GM to have a burner account. I'll yeah. So that's, they're definitely out there. I'm sure that people like, I'm going to just make up a username, uh, chicken, chicken wing, 25, 85 hashtag Nick's all day or some weird account like that is just a, a, a Messiah Jerry's burner account. And he's just trolling everyone by saying, nah, they're going to like do this or, or we're going to do that. And it, it, like, they're definitely out there. So they think they are mindful of that. And I know that the sex idea is almost kind of dead, but that's what I would do if I'm the Knicks because you're kind of just pulling whatever talent you can, they have enough stuff to do it. The only issue that I have is that I don't want them to um, overpay for free restricted free agent like Lonzo Ball. I know that I'm going to probably get yelled at for saying this, but I don't think Ball is the sol- problem solver to the Knicks point guard issues. Despite what Knicks Twitter will tell you otherwise, I, Chris and I are kind of sort of not split on that. I mean, we do agree that he's not worth the money, but the idea in principle is good of what he gives you. But I, I think personally, again, they should do nothing. About where you see him belonging positionally. So like. Exactly. Like no one knows where he's going to play. And I you're going to ask him I to be a, a major offensive component? No. I think he's a wing. And if you're yeah. signing him to be your point guard, then you're in trouble in my opinion. So. You know. I just think it's, I just think it's the same thing with Wiggins. Like he, the big market, he's going to, he's all the things that he fixed are going to just come back to him. And then the, his dad's going to show up. such a mess. Point being the Knicks at least use the 19th pick and then you can look into trading anything else that you want. Yeah. I think, you know, in, in tidbits that I've heard about like what this front office is trying to cook up, like I think trying to keep one pick and use the other to make something happen, like 
that sounds like a, a plan they've considered for sure. It's just whether the right deal comes across the table, whether they can make it happen, shake someone loose, whatever it is. Um, to me, I think, you know, to, to go back to what Kelly said from the, the jump of the episode that this class is just a really good one. With how many front offices, you know, we're talking about Sacramento, New York used to be pretty incompetent. Now I trust them, but I think with how many good prospects there are and how many teams are ahead of the Knicks, like you would be a little concerned, you know, think they really need to move up. Some teams in front of them are going to make some stupid picks and someone's, someone's going to fall to 19 that shouldn't be there. Someone's going to fall to 21 that shouldn't be there. No matter what, in my opinion, I, I think it's absolutely unlikely in such a deep class that the Knicks in their evaluate, you know, like every player that the Knicks have at the top of their board is magically gone. Like there's going to be someone at 19 and at 21 for me in this draft class. Like if I run and go look at my big board right now, I, I could make like a, a big section between God say like prospect 26 and 38 and be like, those guys are practically all in the same tier. Like there's a lot of depth here. There's a lot of just, really good prospects and yes when everyone's really good um you kind of overanalyze the minutia and and you might forget that you just have a really good draft class really good options in front of you uh I, I think the Knicks should just stand pat grab who they can at 19 and 21 if they want to you know trade up they've looked into it they offered golden state a deal to try to get up to to 14 um I think that I, I, I think they just have to play the market, you know, see if guys start falling. All right, we're going to stand here. This guy that we like, you know, say, I really hope they love Sharif Cooper because I really love Sharif Cooper. Say Sharif Cooper is looking like he's going to be there at 19. Don't freak out. Don't go give up a bunch of assets to trade up. But if you hear that, you know, whoever's at 16 really likes him, then start thinking about it. Just kind of play the market. You have two first round picks. You have ammo to play with. Don't you know, you don't got to be like a, a penalty goalie here and, and call your spot and go stand in it and, you know, go jump for the left side and for your forced left and they kick it right. And, you know, you lose. It's not like that. You, you have some time. You can move after the kick. You can let the market start to play out and see where the ball's going and go and make the save. Go try to, you know, just make the most smart move that you can based on how players are being valued, how guys that you value highly are being valued. If someone slips, which they likely will, go ahead and capitalize. Listen, the Knicks have been smart. Well, they were smart last year and it paid off for them. So if they continue that trend, you, uh, the Knicks and all their fans should have a successful 2021-2022 season. Now, it's likely a player will fall to 19. It's likely a, fall, a player will fall to 21. It is not likely, however, that a player of that caliber falls 245, the 45 pick in the second round, which is the only pick that the Celtics have at, and the only hope they have of getting anyone helpful, not great to be a Celtics fan, not having a first round pick with a team that is going to become very expensive very soon is not ideal. They did make the move. They sent Kemba Walk, they sent number 16 pick and Kemba Walker to OKC last month. They got Alf Horford and Moses Brown. They'll have all their future first-rounders available as trade assets after the draft, but I think they're kind of an interesting situation going into it. There's a few options. They're limited, but there are a few options. You know, they are a young team. They have 
honestly a bunch of first second rounders from last year that they're still trying to develop so you know you have romeo langford you have aaron Lee's, but you he have might him. exist romeo langford might be a real person gotta find might, out you know, if you're a Celtics fan he exists for everyone else he just might exist but for me he exists <laughs> and we're going to need him going forward moses brown's another one we just brought him in him in he's young he's raw but he's someone they can focus on developing i know Bradley Beal mentioned him earlier. He's in literally every team's conversation, like I think Thomas Aiello mentioned. Um, but he's long friend, longtime friends with Tatum. They would probably have to get rid of Jalen Brown to go after him, but that could be an option for them uh, in this offseason. Other things they could do, they could try and trade up for a first round, but honestly, they don't really have a lot to offer, not much, especially to get a top three pick, which really might be the only option that's worth it, giving, uh, given how much they would have to give up. They could absorb maybe a iffy contract from a different team to get a late first round pick. But again, I'm not sure if that's worth it, but I really don't want to talk about the Celtics team right now because I did not have a good season with them and I'm not confident in them right now. I, so. think, I think there's a, there's a solid chance that you can find someone at 45 that contributes, you know, like this is the positivity I need in my life. This is, this is a true, spoken like a true Knicks fan who's had to look at the bright side. Oh, relax, relax. This draft class is deep. If someone like Jeremiah Robinson Earl, for example, from Villanova is there at 45. Some, oh my God, Kessler Edwards from Pepperdine, another one. Uh, so Wait, I have Jeremiah to... Robinson Earl. And oh, not him, the other guy. And Kessler Edwards would from be- From where? Pe- Pepperdine, Pepperdine. What? He's uh, a, he's like, all right, relax. Listen, Kessler is a guy who I think could go like if he went first round, it wouldn't be the end of the world because he could come in and, and participate as a wing uh, on, on a team trying to do something like not just, you know, like eating up possessions. Kessler, Robinson, Earl. And I'll give I'll give Kelly one more name to have hope about. Let's go with uh, ooh, ooh, shooters. Teams can always use shooters. Someone like Joe Weiskamp. Uh, one of the best shooters in the draft, not great at much else, but looking like he might, might be able to fill in in a junior version of that Duncan Robinson role, six, seven, decent size and great shooting from deep. I, I don't hate your guys' chances of finding someone who can help you out there at 45 in this, they in need, this class. They need someone to move the needle. They don't need another project, but I have to give a shout out to my friend, Trey Murphy, Trey Murphy, the third, he is a potential Nick prospect, and he also played basketball at my high school, tiny school in North Carolina. Need a hundred kids in my grade. I like and, Trey. Hey, and, uh, he's someone I've seen develop a lot. When he played in at my high school, he maybe weighed the same as me. He was maybe six foot five, and now he's six foot nine, two hundred ten pounds, and just doing great things. So I told him I'd give him a shout out, and this is me giving him a shout out. And good luck to him in the draft that's going to do it for the draft talk but before we close out this episode it is olympic season and team usa basketball usually we have good things to say about them this year not the same they lost their first olympics game since the 2004 semifinals to france on sunday 83 76 and they lost games in the preliminary rounds People were saying, oh, this is a wake-up call. This doesn't matter. There's no reason to panic. I said there was no reason to panic, but I guess I was wrong. So really quick, love to hear your thoughts on what's going on there. Is that a roster fit issue? Is that a pop issue? Is that just the fact that the U.S. doesn't really care about things like this? What's going on there? Thomas Ayala, we'll start with you. I think it's a product of 
the senile old people still being in charge of something they should have been fired for a while ago. As much as Colangelo number one has done like a good job with Team USA, it, he should have just overturned it to someone else. And Popovich, who is has been six and three since he took over for Coach K, the six and three coming from the uh, the FIBA Cup when Team USA just choked it all away with nor- notorious uh, superstar, apparently according to NBA Twitter, Chris Middleton, who is more helter skelter than you might think, and they had Kemba Walker, who was a very big choker, as we have seen in recent uh, play. Nonetheless, this team is so weird is the word because it's Durant Lillard. And then you have holiday Booker, Zach Levine, Bam Adebayo and JaVale McGee is on this roster. (laughs) Like who is assembling this? This is horrible, like horribly built for a team in the USA. Just, I know that we're accustomed and spoiled to, Oh, they just send the top 12 American NBA players every year. And that's what they should do. But Again, this is like just such a weird team. I don't think Pop can really coach international. I also don't think he has the respect of the players. I kind of see them almost dead faced with how he coaches their style. It's sort of like, yeah, cuts. Oh, fun. No, I like, I want to shoot threes. And they don't play with any effort. I think Tom Thibodeau, I said this a couple episodes ago, should have been the coach because he actually gets people to play. Great take. But other than like, like everything is about this team is just so wrong. It, it's very wrong. Yeah, I, I agree, man. I, I, in short, Popovich's system, we know throughout the years, it's very much about, you know, regardless of the incredible individual talents you have, maximizing the group, maximizing what you have in the group. And Team USA, Colangelo, everyone who put the team together, I I think they galaxy brained themselves. I think they way overthought it. And they're like, oh, well, if we get these pieces and then we don't actually have a center and then all that, it's like, guys, just put out a freaking basketball team. They assembled a roster of a bunch of isolation style players, Beal, Levine, Lillard, Durant, Tatum. These guys are all on the same court. (laughs) Like, Uh, I'm thinking about, you know, but just like, think about who they chose for this team, you know, like Julius Randle, who had the biggest playmaking leap, you know, of anyone ever, literally in NBA history, the best single season turnaround probably ever did not get an invite, but Kevin Love did because they thought his experience with FIBA rules would be worth it. Like that to me is so dumb that you have to look at it for what it is, which is they are just overthinking this. They're trying to they, they have a cushion that shouldn't be there with the talent level in the U.S. You know, the game around the world is getting better. And, and I'm, I'm going to put out a couple names. I want to see if you get why I start saying them. Jokic, Embiid, Antetokounmpo, uh, Aiton. These are all elite big men in the NBA who are not from the U.S. So to have Bam Adebayo and JaVale McGee, like it makes sense. The game is changing. All these elite big men are from other countries. You have to put together a team that can go up against these teams and they put together the ultimate ball don't stop real Hooper vibes team and like players like Randall players like it's just they all they all play like they're all playing 2K with the team like everyone has their own controller and they're trying to control them the whole team and get themselves the most points doesn't it's not real basketball it feels like um, 
it feels like video game basketball being played. Like the mistakes they make aren't real. Like, like the bad passes they'll make. I'll be like, dude, like what universe does that even happen in? Like, it's just, there's a total disconnect. Uh, and I think it's because of the roster fit. I think it's because of how they selected the roster. I'm totally with you. Listen, I agree to an extent with both of you, but to me, the roster isn't a full excuse. I understand what you're saying about, you know, there is a little bit of a height disadvantage. There's a little bit of these guys who are all the number one guys for the team. And you're right. It looks a little weird when you think about how they're all playing together on the court at the same time and all trying to share a ball when they're used to just having the priority at all times. But at the same time, like you both said it, this, they are a more talented team than any team they're going up, up against. Yes, you're right. And no disrespect to the other countries because we are seeing other countries get a lot better in these line, these uh, rosters that we're playing have these big all-stars, you know, Rudy Gobert, Evan Forty had 28 points. You, Luca went off. I mean, and you're right. Uh, Chris, I was going to make a similar point. A, a lot of the best big men in the league are not American, are not American. So, yep. you know, these other countries are getting better and they do have the advantage where they play together. They are used to those FIBA rules, which I don't think should make too much of a difference, but they are, they do, they do get to play together more. So maybe the chemistry isn't there. It's the same team year in, year out versus the U S just kind of pulls together, whatever guys are hot at that time and are willing to go across countries. So you have, you have those excuses. Maybe you blame it on pop. But at the same time, to me, it's just, you have Kevin Durant, you have Dane Miller, you have Jason Tatum all on the same team. There shouldn't really be, excuse for a lineup at that point to me these teams their team is just so talented that it comes down to not caring and, and not wanting to be there I mean you mentioned it it just seems like uh they're getting out hustled they're getting outplayed they're missing shots KD misses wide open shots they missed five on one possession the final three which were wide open three-pointers for Zach Levine KD and Drew Holiday three guys who probably shouldn't be missing wide open threes and uh, they didn't make a single basket over the last four and a half minutes in that game against France. So it comes down to, they just need to play better. I mean, Popovich can't go out there and make shots for them at the end of the day. And I think it's a pride thing for a lot of other countries. You saw Evan Fournier get on the mic afterwards and say, Hey, this U S team, they may be more talented, but that doesn't mean they're the better team. And I he think balled out, just, man. he did fall out. And I think there's a little bit of weight to what he's saying there. So again, I'm still going to say there isn't a reason to really press the panic button. I still think, U.S. is at least going to medal, if not take home the gold. They're still very talented, and hopefully, you know, after they, this game was just, just get out whatever jitters or whatever is going on there, just get it out, and they'll be fine. But uh, I, I don't think they need to panic, but I do think what we've seen out of this USA basketball team this year is, is a good cause for conversation, especially in years moving forward. But that's going to do it for this episode of Pick and Pod. It's been a long one. It's been a fun one. It's been a crazy one, but what else can you expect? with the NBA draft right around the corner. This has been an awesome episode. Thanks so much, Chris and Thomas, for joining me. Always a pleasure hosting you guys and talking basketball. And we'll get to do that more next week, the week after that, and the week after that, when Pick and Pod returns. But Pick and Pod is a production of WFUV Sports.